Welcome to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast. It's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff, and today I am talking to author Alma Katsu. Alma Katsu is the author of several books now, starting out with the Taker series, but then moving on to two atmospheric horror novels, including The Hunger and The Deep. Her books have received rave reviews from Publishers Weekly and New York Times and have been nominated and won multiple prestigious awards and appeared on numerous best-selling books lists, including NPR, Barnes & Noble, Goodreads, and Amazon. Red Widow, which came out in 2021, was her first spy novel, the logical marriage of her love of storytelling, she's wanted to be a writer all her life, with her 30-year career in intelligence. She was an intelligence officer, and Amakatsu worked at several federal agencies as a senior analyst, where she advised policymakers and military commanders on issues of national security. The last third of her government career was spent in emerging technologies and technology forecasting. She was also a senior technology policy analyst for the RAND Corporation and continues as an independent consultant and technology futurist advising clients in government and private industry. So it feels like it would be a natural fit for Almakatsu to go from horror where she'd started into the spy novel. And we do talk about that today on our interview because the sequel to Red Widow is out now. It's called Red London. And in Red London, we are Picking back up with the protagonist from Red Widow, this is CIA agent Lindsay Duncan. Lindsay Duncan has a new asset to turn in order to prevent the most calculated global invasion of our time. It is set in a near future, which we get into in the interview. Uh, and there's some interesting things that went into the construction of the narrative of this story. But basically, what happens is after an explosive takedown of a well-placed mole within the CIA during the Red Widow book, Agent Lindsay Duncan is now back in Red London, where she's tasked with keeping tabs on her newest Russian asset, a deadly war criminal named Dmitry Tarasenko. She arrives in London fully focused on the assignment at hand until her MI6 counterpart, Davis Ranford, the very person responsible for ending her last mission overseas after they were caught in a whirlwind affair, personally calls for her for help. So today we are talking about what it's like to have worked in the intelligence agency and then transition to being into a published author where you're working in one genre, horror, but then you decide to actually dive in to, I guess, your veritable bread and butter, something Amakatsu has literal firsthand experience with. We are talking about constructing a spy novel specifically with uh, not, not only just a female protagonist, but a primarily mostly female cast of where... Yeah, I mentioned Davis Ranbert, but he's kind of on the side. He's kind of a supporting character. We're going to be talking more about Lindsay Duncan interacting with the character Emily Rotenberg, who is the asset that she has to turn so that Lindsay can find out more about Tarasenko's relationship with the new Russian president. New Russian president? That's right. So we're talking about a near future, an imagined future. We get into that as we talk to Amakatsu about our latest Red London. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I am good. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for the chance to chat. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled. Congrats on the new book. Thank you. Yeah, I really like this one. Hopefully it'll it'll find its way in the world. <laughs> let's let's start there initially. To to go back to, to, to Red Widow, did 
when you were starting Red Widow, was it ever in your mind that this would become a character that you would have in an entire other book and possibly even more about? Uh, t- tell us what you were thinking when you when you dug into Red, Red Widow, because that brings us to Red London. Yeah, well, that's a great question because um, the whole thing started when my editor approached me and asked if I would be interested in writing um you know, a spy novel. She knew I'd always wanted to, but um, she asked me out right after I retired. So it, it actually makes a huge difference whether or not you're still working for the government when you try to write that sort of thing. Uh, it becomes so much easier. So, um, you know, I just wanted to see if I could do it. I didn't think really that it would be a series. I could see what the next books would be, but I didn't take it for granted that there would be any next books. Sure. We are in a library, and I say that a lot of librarians here were big fans of The Hunger and and The Deep, and they, maybe we're weirdos and we like horror, but can you tell me, uh, before we even get into the spy stuff, how did you go from, how did you, how did horror become kind of your door to this, to the writing world? I know, it's weird, yeah. isn't it? Believe me, a lot of people think it's weird. I actually started over about 12 years ago my first books were the taker books the taker trilogy and those are kind of more in the realm of like early Anne rice so a lot of people don't think of Anne rice as horror even though she has like a lot of horror tropes in it they're more those big sweeping kind of dark love stories but uh as i was getting into the field that field was rapidly interest was dwindling in it so I, I kind of had to switch gears and um, and uh, someone actually brought this up to me if I thought this would, the Donner Party would make an interesting story um, with this sort of just little horror reimagining. And the more I learned about it, the more I realized that was true. Mm-hmm. And it was um, a big challenge writing that book, but it was a lot of fun. And because it did well, you know, we got the opportunity to do a couple more books. And then, like I said, one day I met my agent and my editor for breakfast. And she said, have you thought about writing spy novels? So, yeah, it's been kind of funny. You don't often see the two together. That's cool. So you'd been writing earlier in your life? Because when I imagine someone working in the intelligence business, I, I imagine... There's like such a stereotype. Maybe they're maybe they're fastidious and maybe they're meticulous and maybe they're closed off or I don't know. Or they're maybe they're not expressive. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's it, it is interesting. I um, didn't expect to go into intelligence uh, when I was young. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a novelist. But at that point, I I couldn't see how you could make a living at it other than, say, being a reporter. And so I did start doing newspaper work. And I just got the opportunity to interview with the National Security Agency. And this was a long time ago. This was pre-internet. And there were just like, you know, and I didn't live in D.C. at the time. I lived in Boston. Nobody knew anything about NSA. And what stories there were were pretty crazy. And so I thought, well, I'll just apply for the um, experience of it, right, the craziness, just to see what it's like. And I was surprised when they offered me a job, but I took it thinking I'd only stay for a couple of years, again, just for the experience. But it really was a very uh, incredible career, not one that I ever expected. Got to do a lot of amazing things that I never thought I'd be able to do. I ended up staying, right, for a whole 30 some odd years. Yeah. 
Was there any voice in the back of your head that was uh, cautious or resistant at all when it did come time to say yes to diving into to a spy novel? Because I, there are a lot of amazing kind of uh, thrillery suspense authors out there who, you know, darn it if they don't really, they really do do their research, but it's kind of like secondhand experience. You have firsthand experience here and... and Literally, only other name that comes to mind is John Le Carre. There, so it's like this legacy thing. Oh, it's coming. Did did any of that kind of stuff go through your head as you're getting ready for Red Widow? Well, that was part of the reason why I wrote Red Widow. Um, I do like spy novels, as you know, they seem to sort of fall into one of two camps. It's either the Jean Le Carre, you know, a, li- a little bit more literary, you know, character driven kind of thing that focuses on traditional spying right the old clandestine you a lot of people think of it as cold war and then there's the other ones which are a lot more action-packed they tend to be more military you know a lot more shoot them up and and that sort of thing and um nothing wrong with either one of them but i wanted something that was probably a little bit more in the lecrae camp um because people say that to you all the time like you know, what's a realistic portrayal of what it's like to be in there? You can't find it on TV or movies, right? And it's getting more and more in the other direction. So it's a challenge because I wanted to write something that was sort of true to life, as true to life as I could make it, but still would be satisfying to modern readers who've now been raised on decades of James Bond and Jason Bourne and that sort of thing. And I think that that satisfaction for the reader or what really pulls a reader in is the key to that is protagonists. So can you tell us about creating Lindsay and what was important to you when you started getting Lindsay on the page? So the like I said, the reason, the real reason that I wanted to do this was mostly to show women, women in the intelligence business, because we're not well represented in movies or TV uh, and, and in books. A lot of times they're portrayed as just the helper, right? Or they're sort of sexualized or something. And and I felt like this did a disservice to the women in intelligence, particularly since really some of the best officers and the best managers I've worked with have been women. So it was really important to share something that was more true to life. And Lindsay is relatively young. She's got about 10 years into her career, which if you stay there for a full career, you know, that's not even mid-career. We wouldn't even consider them in career. And I had met so many wonderful young women working in intelligence, so sharp, so professional, so together. I mean, it was just incredible that, you know, I really put a lot of them into Lindsay. The other weird thing is um, at one point I got to be a recruiter for CIA for a year. Um, Yeah, CIA gets people from the career field to go out and recruit at colleges. So I was the lead analyst for the Northeast. So that meant, you know, Harvard and Yale and Brown and all these schools. And I was meeting all these fabulous young people who just blew my socks off. And us old timers always say, if we had to get a job today with the agency, we wouldn't. The kids today are so well prepared and so smart and they can be huge successes anywhere. But a lot of them, you know, really wanted to come to CIA. You know, they they just patterned their whole life into it. So that's really what Lindsay is. She's that young, idealistic, really driven young person who's patriotic and wants to do something for her country. Can you talk about uh, getting into the get? Not that we want spoilers here, but 
This is the red London is especially interesting because it's kind of this very near future where it could potentially be a post Putin world. Uh, can you talk about that and kind of wading into that water uh, because things got especially complicated with Ukraine and everything? Yes. Well, like a lot of um, spy writers, uh, you know, the book I was working on the book prior to the invasion. And so all of us were sort of dealing with the reality at the time. But then the invasion happened and it moved very quickly on the ground in the beginning, people may recall. So I had to do rewrites and I was like on my third rewrite because things were moving so fast. And I said, no, no, I got to get in front of this or I'll be rewriting until the day the book comes out. So the thing I thought of was, what's the one thing that everybody would love to see? Putin gone. (laughs) But what if he was gone and things got worse? So that's what I decided to use. And so it got me ahead of what was happening in real life. It kind of scratched that, that itch for people who would love to see him disappear. But the reality is whoever replaces him would probably be worse. So in this case, we have another ex-KGB person who makes Putin disappear. And but not a lot of is known about him. He says all the right things on the international stage that Russia wants to be a good citizen and all this stuff. But CIA and, and uh, MI6 don't believe him. And so they send Lindsay in to try to recruit his wife to flip her so that she will tell them where all of his billions and billions are hidden before the new Russian president can get to it. What really struck out to me about creating the character of Emily, who is is the, the wife here, uh, is that I, I, I was really touched by how many times, and it's not very many times, but like three or four times, the word lonely comes up. And then this job that even Lindsay has can feel lonely and they bond over that. Can you talk about that? Because that was that was that was a real in for me for this book in terms of getting to know a spy. You know what I mean? Like, of course, it must be lonely. But uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're not, um, you know, like a clandestine officer where you have to live a double life or something like that, even for regular people like me you are kind of um it's impressed upon you early on that you have to keep this part of your life private you can't be open and talking to people and it does i think make you withdraw a little bit a lot of people in the business their close friends are co-workers mm-hmm. some of my best friends are people that i worked with for instance even to this day so it can be a very a very lonely life and um the more you do, I think the lonelier it gets. The thing with Emily is it makes perfect sense. So, I mean, I really love this character. And I want to say the book is almost like two books. It was purposely written like that because I, I you know, part of it is sort of a, dis, a domestic suspense. We're looking at this woman who is married to this Russian oligarch and she is reflecting on the deal she has made, the bargain with the devil. And you find out all about her life and what led her to make that decision. And, um, and I wanted to appeal, I know a lot of women like suspense, they like domestic suspense. And if you ask them, their first reaction would probably be, oh, I don't like spy novels. And so I was kind of hoping this would be like a, a, a easy entry into it. And then of course, the second half is the spy novel, Lindsay's job and, and all that sort of thing. 
I really liked writing Emily. She, her voice came very naturally to me. The writing came fast. I felt like I could really understand her, even though she wasn't how I pictured her when I first started writing it. I saw her more as a gold digger and I came to, to be a lot more sympathetic with what she was going through. And then, but this, this, uh, this also continues the trend and it's something you kind of touched on too, but maybe it's a good note to wrap up on, especially since we're doing this on International Women's Day, is that this book, like Red Widow, it's like the two leads are women again. And Davis is like a supporting character. Um, I don't know if you want to quickly address kind of constructing his character too, but I just think it's awesome that both of these books have successfully had really the, the main characters are women, which you don't often see in spy well, novels. Well, yeah, if I get to do more, that's going to be the pattern, that it's always going to be another woman, her horrible situation, and that somehow Lindsay ends up, you know, being um, attached to it in some way. So, yeah, that was part of the the plan, too. And I have to say, you know, I've been doing a lot of talking to, to studios and producers and stuff. And it's amazing how few stories actually do have these strong roles for women. They're saying it over and over again. They're really attracted to it. It's two women, you know, and, and very positive characters. Why shouldn't there be more? There should be more, you know, where they're helping each other. Mm -hmm. um, that's the other thing. I, I mean, I guess it seems very retro to me now when somebody says something about, oh, women can't get along. Women are catty. They're always combative. That is so not true. So not true. And um, yeah, I'm happy if this is a book that sort of destroys that stereotype. Um, I'll just touch on Davis real quick. Yeah. Davis, MI6 officer who you find out in Red Widow, you don't need to know this ahead of time, but um, Lindsay had had an affair with him, which is against the rules. And it ends up putting like this black mark on her record. Well, and, and she's not supposed to talk to him because that would prove that maybe there was something untoward going on, you know, that maybe she was spying for, for MI6 and that does happen. So, um, but in Red London, he pops up again he is he was recalled back to london too and he's heading this task force and he's the one who asks for her and so you get this sort of tension over will they or won't they right sort of strike up their relationship again but then it becomes very serious at the end that something else nefarious may be going on so hopefully i'll get to explore that in a future book and this one this isn't a spoiler necessarily but it kind of ends on a cliffhanger so who knows what happens next um it must be thrilling to possibly have the possibility of writing this character for hopefully a third book fingers crossed because that character is going to really get to grow even more so that must be so exciting thank you yeah yeah i'm really hoping i get that chance <laughs> amakatsu thank you so much for joining me on the podcast great to talk to you great talking to you thank you so much And that was our chat with Almakatsu, the author of Red London, which is the sequel to Red Widow, their new spy series. Hopefully there's a third. Hopefully there's more following the protagonist of Lindsay Duncan. We'll link to more information about Almakatsu's books in our show notes. Thank you once again for joining us for another episode of A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast, and it's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. We say thanks, as always, to John Duffy, a local musician who gives us music to play at the beginning and end of each episode. If you want to support this podcast, you could go to ferndalefriends.org, but please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Leave a comment, and it could help us find more listeners. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks for listening. <laughs>